0: threaten my world with war. You might not be glad that you did. <laughs> what have I to fear?
1: Let's do a head count.
0: A couple of master assassins, the
2: demigod,
3: the super soldier, and you've managed to piss off every single one of us. I have an army. We have a Hulk. <laughs>
4: Greetings, one and all. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly dose of geeky goodness uh, and everything geeky in the universe going on. Not everything, maybe. (laughs) Today is April 22nd, 2012. This will be podcast 381, and it's been a couple of weeks as it is these days, a couple of weeks since I spoke with you last, but uh, today we're going to do what I would call a classic-style Treks and sci-fi. We're going to be looking at a TNG, a Star Trek TNG Next Generation episode called A Matter of Time. This is from season five of TNG, so that's going to be up on the podcast. I'm going to watch the episode and and comment as I play it for all of you, and I'll be talking about some other news items. Got a little uh, quick collectible review towards the end of the show about a new item that I recently got, and uh, just, you know, the usual fun and frolics here on this geeky podcast for all of you. So, uh, as I usually say, sit back, relax, and let's get started.
1: Welcome to the podcast Tracks in Sci Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. We
5: drink from Dusty a special guest.
6: These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise.
2: Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations.
7: Sci-Fi. Make it so.
4: Again, welcome everyone, one and all, young and old, big and small, <laughs> human and alien, whatever. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to Trex and Sci-Fi, folks. Uh, hope you've enjoyed uh, the last couple of weeks uh, since I spoke with you the last time, and I hope you really enjoyed, and I know I did, Enjoyed the uh, the Al and Brian show last week where they looked at that uh, second Aliens movie. You guys did great, uh, as you did the first time, and I I knew you would with this. I know Brian's a big Aliens fan or Alien fan, and and Al too, so those guys uh, make a good team, and I I really like uh, what they're doing with that. I even hope uh, beyond doing the Alien, the other Alien movies that they're saying they're going to do 3 and 4, that they even... You know, perhaps think about something else to podcast about, another movie or TV show that they'd like, or something. Who knows? And they make a good duo, and uh, I, I really enjoy and appreciate them coming on and giving me uh, a little uh, chance to get caught up on other things and, and doing a show. I know everyone seems to really enjoy what they do, so uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate that for last week. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy, hectic week. It was a bit of a uh, well, a mixed, rough, re- rough. <laughs> here we go the two-week lag of podcasting is showing its its ugly head uh, it was a bit of a rough week at work lots of stuff going on I don't really want to get into it but uh it's it's done now and uh, i'm really I've been happy and enjoying the weekend relaxing and uh, it, it, i've been looking forward a lot actually to podcasting today because it's uh, sometimes uh, I don't know about everyone listening and maybe this is tr- kind of a common thing but I always find when things get a little chaotic and crazy that if if you go and do things that are that you enjoy that are sort of regular and routine and to a degree. Not not that that's a bad thing to me, but it always brings me sort of down to earth. I keep joking with Lynn. I keep saying that. Uh, you know, on Friday after the week, I I felt like I was about 20% me or something like that, and 80% just all, you know, discombobulated. And, uh, and I'm up to about 60, 70% this morning, I told her. (laughs) So the podcast will add more to that. And I got to go out and like cut the grass later. That'll add a few more percentage. So aren't you enjoying this, this geeky sci-fi podcast so far today, everyone? (laughs) Anyway, so it's, uh, it's all good, right? It's all good. So that that's, uh, it's one of the things that I enjoy doing, podcasting, and it always helps uh, kind of clear my head, get the chance to talk to my geeky friends about what's going on, which let's get to that more uh, and get off this other stuff. Yes, please, Rico, move on. There we go, third person. You've got it. Um, The little TV spot I played at the beginning was probably obviously familiar to to many people. It's one of the TV spots airing for the Avengers movie. I figured I would play that. I like to play something uh, current at the beginning of the podcast just to chat about a little bit, Uh, usually a movie trailer or or a TV spot or something. And, uh, you know, since the Avengers movie will actually, by the time I podcast again, will actually be out. It comes out in two weeks' time, a little less than two weeks' time. Uh, and I will be podcasting that weekend. I plan on seeing it, trying to see it uh, before I podcast the next time. So and we will also be doing a Skype call the following weekend on the weekend of it'll be like May 12th or so, I think. It'll probably be Saturday that weekend and we're going to get together to talk about the Avengers, talk about other upcoming summer movies that we've uh, we've got a lot of things coming this summer for us geeks, you know, the geeks control the universe, control the box office these days. We've got a new Batman movie coming, Spider-Man, Avengers, of course, Men in Black, all kinds of things uh, just just waiting for us to see at the theaters this summer and to get out of the heat and, and enjoy some cool uh, geeky times and a lot of comic book movies especially. It's really... It really impresses me just because I've read comics for so long, and, and things that I had dreamed of, and and wish they'd make a you know a great Avengers movie, and now we're finally finally going to get one, and it looks just fantastic. I uh, a few people have mentioned this on the forum. I'm, I've gotten to the point where I've tried to stop watching some of these. They're not only showing trailers in that for this movie, but. They're also releasing like what you you know they call them clips or or these mini bits of a couple of minutes of the movie. The latest one I think I saw this morning that was up. I didn't watch it. I just I just read that you know there's a new clip up. I usually go to one of the sites I like a lot is called ComingSoon.net. A lot of new movie and TV news there. It's one of the my favorites uh, that I go to uh, at least once a day. Sometimes a couple times a day, and they've got a new spot uh, involving. I think it's the Hulk and Black Widow, I think. so uh it, but I'm not watching these longer clips. It's like I'm starting to think that if we would string all these clips they've got going on right now, just about with this movie, you could you you'd learn a lot and not just learn a lot, but you I want some of this stuff to be seen, you know, the first day I see the movie. i'm I'm hoping actually I might take that Friday off the Avengers when it comes out and go see it on opening day, I'd I'd like to do that if I can, so uh, that's kind of my plan or or hope right now, but it looks great, Joss Whedon, you know, working on the movie, directing it, I think he was involved pretty, pretty much, uh, pretty sure he was involved in the writing of it too, so I, I, Have huge hopes and and think this movie's going to be fantastic. I that you know getting these these pretty top notch actors all together from their various other movies they've done, where they've brought these characters to life and a few new ones too, and then bringing them together in this Avengers movie is is quite a a a coup. I think. I I mean, it's never really been done before, and I'm just so happy that they Marvel has spent the time to build some uh, good movies, solid movies with some good actors and, and, and well-done productions, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, and, and then finally getting them together into a one movie, pulling them into the Avengers movie, so it's uh, it's pretty terrific, pretty cool, and I, it's something, like I said, I never thought I, I'd see happen. I always would have thought that they might have like, okay, well, maybe they'll make an Avengers movie, but there's no way they'll get all these guys in it, but they'd managed to do it, so... Uh, Looking forward to that greatly, uh, and probably one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to to see this spring-summer at the movies. So I'm going to take a short, brief break, and I'll be back in a, in a few moments and talk about some other things.
6: I'm Jen. And I'm Angela from the Anomaly Podcast. And you're listening to Tricks and
7: Sci-Fi
4: Alright, I'm back. Uh, a few topics, a few subjects to bring up, and then we'll get into the uh, Star Trek episode, the TNG episode, a matter of time here shortly. Uh, on uh, the Trek front, there are some photos uh, most of this stuff and stories I'll be talking about here in the next few minutes. You can find over at uh, my site, uh, treksandsci-fi.com or The uh, There are some photos, some new little on-the-set kind of camera probably looks like snapped with a with a smartphone perhaps but there are um there's Zachary Quinto uh, as Spock in sort of an environmental suit uh in front of a, I think it's a green screen and uh he's being lowered down into something and I've read some reports that he's lower he's being lowered down into some kind of a hot area like a volcano or something else like that's going on who knows but anyway there are some pictures up it looks like he's wearing uh, you know a kind of a star trek like environmental suit you know with a slightly different design than we've seen before but a similar kind of helmet on it and things that we've seen in past treks so it's uh you know there's not much you learn from this he's carrying this big i call it a big lunch box but he's got this big box uh, you know maybe for bringing samples or back or up or down or from wherever he's being lowered or in and up you know too so that uh those pictures like i said are up Online now, and uh, it looks kind of interesting. Another t- Trek-related thing, you know, in the last few years, since well, probably almost since Enterprise was uh, canceled, they, you know, and in the last couple of years, especially after the last Star Trek movie in 2009, there's been a lot of people that have popped up and talked about doing a uh, a new Star Trek TV series, and a couple of people that have talked a lot about it. One guy uh, uh, who's worked on a lot of TV. Uh, Brian Fuller, I think the last thing he was wasn't he wasn't he one of the guys behind pushing daisies? I think. Anyway, he's been talking about uh, doing this a, a new Trek series along with Brian Singer, who Brian Singer worked on the first X Men movies and things. He also worked on the last Superman film. Uh, he though both those Brian's are very big Star Trek fans. Here's a little comment that they had to say: uh, Brian and I are big fans of Trek and have discussed a take on what it, we would do. And we would love to do it fuller says i don't think anything is going to happen in any official capacity until after the next movie comes out and i'm sure it would be wisely under jj abram's purview of what happens he's the guardian of trek right now so it seems that even though cbs owns the tv part of trek and paramount does the movie part you know there's sort of a connection between the two and i think because of the success of the last abrams trek movie and hopefully if the next one is good as well and is successful i think it would be i think they definitely will take that into consideration now you know who knows what they'll do if if they ever if and when they do a new trek series will they make it an abrams styled in his universe his version of trek movie will it be you know with i I can't see getting the actors and people that they're doing in the current Abrams films to do, you know, Kirk and Spock on TV. I, I, I think that's pretty highly unlikely. Uh, but would they do it in his universe and just have another crew on another ship using those looks and, and costumes and, and, and all the things they've set up in those films? Or who knows what they would do. So it uh, is interesting. And I and I have said for, I've thought for a while that if we get another successful movie, that it'd be, to me, it would be very surprising if, it, if they don't, pretty soon at some point after that really seriously consider doing a Star Trek series again. I think there are um, plenty of ways to do it, especially with cable TV. I would love to see Uh, a new Trek series on something like Showtime or HBO or something I think that uh, they could do bigger uh, budgets bigger seasons maybe have a shorter season like a 12 episode thing like they do with shows like Game of Thrones and Dexter and really really do uh, a very cool uh, thing with this it would be uh, it would run you know consecutively too you wouldn't have like a TV series where you get some new episodes and then you don't get some and you know I think that would be a way, one way to do it, and it also would be a way to keep the budget good and have pretty high production values. And there's a lot of shows that are doing it that way these days. So, and not to say that they couldn't end up on something like a, a cable channel like AMC or TNT, uh, a network show. I mean, CBS does own it, but I mean, I, I, I don't know, possibly still. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, it's exciting though, and and I, I do firmly believe that it, within you know, say a short period of time, I will even say now probably in five years or less we will have a new trek series you know we've got another year a little bit more than that to go for uh, the next movie i give them a year to think about it to uh, to decide to do a new series and maybe a year or so after that to get one going so i'm thinking even maybe like two to three years well probably at least three but it could be shorter who knows you never know uh you know these days they have tv series that come on and they do so well and they're so um Liked by people, they'll they'll renew them after an episode or two, you know, for another season. Especially some of the cable shows. So things can happen a lot quicker or a lot slower. You never know, you know, when when you know these things go on. A uh, couple other little tidbits, and then we're going to get into the Trek episode. Uh, the uh, The Enterprise, the space shuttle Enterprise, and next week. Keep an eye on the news outlets, and if you happen to be in the Manhattan, New York area, I don't know what day. I'd have to look it up. I'm not sure what day this is happening, but they are uh, moving the, the space shuttle Enterprise on top of a, a jumbo jet. Let me see. I'll pull up the story here and see if I can find out exactly. Oh, it looks like it's, uh, it's supposed to happen tomorrow, Monday. So depending on when you listen to this podcast, they are uh, it's, it's going to make a low pass over the city, You know, of course, mounted on, a, on an airplane. And then uh, it's heading, I think this is uh, going also to the Smithsonian, too, I think. Let's see. The uh, first step, its journey, will be a flight to the Big Apple on the 23rd, which is Monday. It's flying from uh, Dulles Airport um, to JFK atop uh, the shuttle carrier, you know, the, the big uh, whatever, kind of a 747, I think it is. It's going to do a low fly over New York. It uh, looks like it's scheduled. The flight is scheduled from 930 to 1130 a.m. on Monday. So, uh, And there will be some photos, I'm sure, and stuff. And it is heading towards ending up being at the Smithsonian along with Discovery that, uh, just recently got shipped over there too. So that's pretty cool. And so if you happen to be in the New York area and you guys listen to this podcast in time, uh, check out, uh, your windows for that on, on Monday. Probably end up, I'm guessing it would end up being around, you know, 11 o'clock, 10, 30, 11 in there, uh, as it gets close to landing in New York. So that's a very cool little thing to, uh, you know, the, remember that the, uh, it was Star Trek fans that got this first space shuttle, the first test shuttle, named the Enterprise. The unfortunate thing, it was only used for a lot of these uh, these landing uh, maneuvers that they did. They, they used to, for those that aren't aware, they would take it up on top of a plane, drop it. And then it would do some landing to see how the shuttle could handle the re-entry portion. But the the shuttle Enterprise never made it into space. It was never launched into space. It wasn't really designed to do that. Uh, And uh, so anyway, but the the actual uh, shuttle that was named by Trek fans is going to be on display in the Smithsonian soon. So... (laughs) Uh, what else do we have to fill you in on? I guess that's about it. There's a, a console Star Trek game coming next year in 2013 that they released another little teaser for. But nothing uh, nothing much. You know, it was like 30 seconds long or a minute if that. Uh, nothing big there. Um, and that's probably about it. QMX is going to do some TNG uh, comm badges, the QMX collectible. Uh, QMX replicas, just search for them they're going to do some little TNG style comm badges. Also, another company that does costumes called Anovos and A sorry, A N O V O S is going to be making some TNG replica uniforms. So that's kind of cool. Uh and there's a lot of great collectibles you can get these days unlike way in the past where there wasn't much. So and I think that's all I really wanted to pass on to you for now um, there's oh one last thing I wanted to talk about kind of a not exactly a geeky subject but uh, I watched I went to see the Three Stooges movie last weekend and you know one of the things uh, that I growing up uh, a couple things, that I used to watch on television all the time. Well, of course, Star Trek reruns, uh, but I also watched a lot of The Three Stooges and always enjoyed it uh, very much. And I I think they did a good job with this movie. Uh, It's been getting some pretty good reviews. Uh, I've heard some, you know, positive and a little bit of negative, but most people that I know that have seen it seem to have enjoyed it, and it's it's a pretty faithful rendition uh, uh, on The Three Stooges. The guys playing The Three Stooges, of course, the original Stooges have all passed away now, but the guys doing Larry Moe and Curly in this movie are, are pretty spot on, and, and there's, they do it in that uh, short uh, type of style where, actually, there's three shorts, they call them, um, probably about a half hour or so of length of each, and they, they're interconnected in a way, unlike the, they really didn't do that with the original Stooges, but it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot of slapstick, and uh, I think it, even I when I was at the theater, there was a lot of younger kids in it who certainly never saw the Stooges probably much, and they seemed to get a big kick out of it. There was a lot of laughter, and the, I don't know. There's something about this kind of very you know no you know there's no sophistication. It's just simple little slapstick humor, and uh, you know there's no bad language. It's just fun. And, uh, you know, where can you see a guy hit another guy over the head with a hammer? And, and there is a public service kind of announcement at the end of it, you know, so hopefully the little kids in it won't be running back home and hitting, grabbing a hammer from their dad's tool bench or or, or mom's tool bench, we could say, and and whacking him on the head. But go see it. If you're a Stooges fan, I know you're going to enjoy it. If you're not, you, you still probably will have a laugh or two. So I'm going to take one more break and we'll come back with the TNG episode, A Matter of Time. Captain All right, here we go with the, the episode
2: 5349.1. The Enterprise is on its way to Pentara 4, where a type C asteroid has struck an unpopulated continent. The resulting dust cloud could very well create a phenomenon not unlike the nuclear winters of 21st century Earth. i miss getting the TNG everywhere. A weak that would counteract the devastation.
8: I'm afraid the numbers coming in are already indicating climatic changes, Commander. What kind of drop
6: can we expect? If the Pentharan spheral forecasts are correct, 10 to 12 degrees Celsius within the first 10
8: days. If it continues like that, their entire ecosystem will be shot to hell. And I doubt if they're prepared to
1: cope with the kind of cold that's coming. Come on, Araika. Yes, sir. Would you join me on the bridge, please? Right away, sir. You certain, Mr. Wolf? There was a space-time distortion, sir, and there is something back there. We passed within 300 kilometers of it. It's too close to be a coincidence. Miss LaForge? Yes, Captain. Would a delay of one hour affect your plans? Not
8: unless another asteroid decides to play a call on Panthara, sir. The odds of that occurring, Captain, are extremely
6: unlikely given the time frame. Thank you, Mr. Data. Ensign, bring the ship about. Let's take a look at Mr.
2: Wolf's distortion. Aye, sir. Mr. Wolf's what? The Lieutenant's sensors have detected a temporal distortion almost in our current course. There's a Small new, uh, Ensign
4: the here in the, at the con the post the instead of Wesley, ahead, of course.
2: Post Aye, sir.
4: On screen. I think her name is Ensign Felton.
1: Mentions, Wolf. Approximately five meters in length, sir. Five signs. No signs of any kind. Our sensors do not penetrate the hull. Try hailing it. That's odd. That's odd. We've received a response, but... Yes, Mr. Wolf. They want you to move over, sir. Reply that the Enterprise isn't going anywhere, Lieutenant. Not the Enterprise, Captain. You.
3: What are you trying to tell me, Mr. Wolf? Oops. Excuse me, Captain, but you were standing right where I needed to be. Who are you? Uh, Rasmussen's the name, sir. Professor Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, Actually, quite a bit larger than I thought. Really?
4: Uh, Where I Matt come from, historian
3: knows the bridge of old 1701-D. Where exactly do you come from? My birth. a late 26th century Earth, to be exact. I've traveled back nearly 300 years just to find you.
4: All right, let me give you a little bit of uh, background here during the uh, opening credits stuff. Turn that music down a bit. Uh, this episode, of course, again, was from season five. It was episode nine of that season. Uh, it first aired on November 18th, 1991. Uh, it was written by Rick Berman and directed by a guy named Paul Lynch, who did several TNG episodes. He, uh, this uh, being one of them, of course. And uh, it was um, it was pretty well-received and has been a uh, pretty, pretty good, well-received episode, I think, over the years. Basically, you have this uh, character, Rasmussen, that comes aboard the Enterprise to observe them and, and do some things. I won't say too much at this point if you don't remember the episode or aren't familiar with it. As it's going to be playing here, and we can talk about it as, the, as it goes. One thing I will point out now, though, one of the biggest you know interesting things about this episode, I thought was that the guy who plays Rasmussen here, uh, Matt How however you ever say his name, Is he is uh, well known for playing on a classic uh, sci-fi show called Max Headroom. He also has been on, uh, in more recent years, Eureka. He is on that show, and he's done lots of stuff in the sort of geeky realm over the years. His full name, I think character's name here, is called Burling Goff Rasmussen. But the original actor that was going to play him wasn't uh, Matt Furrer at all, but it was uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yes. Mark from Orc was going to be Rasmussen, but he at the time was about to do the movie Hook, uh, where he played Peter Pan, of course, so he had to bow out. But Robin Williams, big Trek fan. so they uh, But they had to work with a different actor, and Matt does a good job in this.
3: Uh, my focuses on the 22nd through the 24th centuries, early interstellar history. You know, it was always believed this was on your desk, not here.
4: He's pointing to a book that Picard There's has over account. in his uh, ready room.
2: Expect me to believe that the layout of my ready room can possibly be of interest to
3: future historians? Oh, no less so than your legendary modesty, Captain. To get like describe to you what a thrill it is to be here. This is the original. You flatter me, Professor.
4: He's pointing I to the painting here of the Enterprise what could on the wall.
2: Possibly have caused you to select me as a subject for your study. Even in this decade, there are far wiser and
3: more experienced humans in and out of Starfleet. Well, I'd love to tell you, Picard. I really would, but try and imagine what a young Caesar might have done differently had someone given him a hint of what lay ahead or if Lincoln had been coerced into changing his theater plans I I truly wish I could be more specific on why you were selected but I'm afraid the exchange of information will have to flow in one direction only five, six
8: seven meters
4: he just paced across the ready room here. Why now?
8: Right. If you've come back to study us, to study the captain, why did you pick today? Why not a year ago or a year from now? Oh, I picked the
3: right day, all right. Just wait. You'll see. Um, do you always sit there on on that side of the table?
1: Usually. Why?
3: That's
0: not important. Professor, at what point does time travel become a tool for historians?
3: Now, now, Commander. You know better than that. I've studied a great deal about your century, including the fact that you're all quite aware of the dangers of anyone altering the past, and that's exactly what I'd be doing if I were to divulge information like that.
7: Tellurian plague. Beg your pardon? The Tellurian plague, was it cured? I mean, did they find the cure by your century? Oh, it can't do any harm to ask that.
3: I
2: realize that it's difficult, but we must keep to ourselves questions about the future.
4: I think Picard here at this I'll point, be he's, he's a little too accepting you, uh, of Resmussen. You know, I, I, if you're
3: concerned about a possible breach it, of it, He doesn't seem, and, you know, sure threatening,
4: but I, I, I would have thought he would have confronted him yeah, a little there, harder. Thank you in advance for
8: curbing your curiosity. If I hand my assignment in on time, can I get a glimpse into next week's poker game? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mr. Data, would you escort the professor to his quarters? This way, sir.
4: Anyway, so, uh, I, again, I think that Matt uh, Frewer here is a good choice for this like part. Right. Robin Williams would have been similar to it. He has There's a lot of comedy but in this episode. It's a fairly it's light episode. He's
7: holding something back. Well, of course he is. All the things he could tell us, all the things he would like to tell us. It might be that. I don't know.
0: What if he's an imposter? God knows we've seen enough of them. Well, he is human.
2: The medical scans have proven that, right, Doctor?
7: He's human, all right.
2: And there was a temporal distortion back there, correct, Mr. Wolf? Yes, sir. And no one can deny that that ship of his is unlike
8: anything we've ever seen. The hull is made of some kind of plasticized, titanium mesh. We've nothing like it on record, at least not until now.
2: Mr. Wolf, I do appreciate your caution. I share it. Bring his vessel into the shuttle bay. Place it under guard. Yes, sir. I realize that this visit is going to be difficult for some of us. But I've examined his credentials and everything seems to be in order, so I think we should extend to him every courtesy. Including questionnaires. Including questionnaires, Mr. Wolf.
4: Yeah, see, I don't know, That that seems a little too easy that Picard really is going along with him day. at this point.
3: like running across a Redstone Missile or a Gutenberg Bible to think the Model T of androids.
4: But if I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I've seen if this episode that there is the something model
3: the
6: to that. Century,
4: something that will be explained. Perhaps the
6: subsequent Model A would be a more apt analogy. Since I am Dr. Noonien Soong's
3: revised prototype, I stand corrected.
4: So Rasmussen here is brought to his quarters, kind of looking around. Doesn't look all that happy, exactly, is there a with problem, it. the problem, Professor? You know, mm, who's kind okay. of
3: supposed to have to do for now? I'll get you a list of the things I'll be needing. Okay.
6: Would I be correct, Professor, in assuming that you know whether or not I am still? alive in the 26th century.
4: So, uh, Rasmussen, of course, is not too thrilled with these, the questions Since here. you
3: seem to know so much about Captain Picard and the ship. I assumed you You're would... Would it be best if you kept your assumptions to yourself? Wouldn't it? Yes, sir. Sorry, sir.
4: Yeah, so he's uh, you know, not answering Captain's anything. Captain Long, date
2: We wild. have arrived at Penthara Four and can see for ourselves the atmospheric devastation caused by the he asteroid's has. impact.
4: So there's uh, a. a they're at this place here, this planet that's uh, pretty much under a deep freeze. It's uh, you know, because of this uh, asteroid issue.
2: We've located three underground pockets of carbon dioxide here, here, and here. Now, our drilling phases can release enough of the gas to form an envelope, which should temporarily hold in the heat of the sun.
6: We spend years, decades, trying to avoid anything that would
8: lead to a greenhouse effect. And now here we are, about to create one on purpose. Less than 20% of your normal sunlight is getting through that dust doctor. If we can hold enough heat in with the CO2, that should give the planet time to mend itself.
7: Excuse me, Dr. Mosley. What now? New Seattle's reporting a cloud depth of 12 kilometers. Two rivers, tropical rivers, are beginning to freeze.
6: We'd better get started before there's nothing left to mend.
4: Okay, so now we're back aboard the Enterprise. Resmussen yeah. uh, is in uh, mm-hmm. ten forward. I hate questionnaires.
7: Professor, come and join us.
4: It's Worf, uh, Riker, and, and Dr. Crusher here, and uh, and Worf's not. Worf doesn't like this guy. He doesn't trust him. Which not you know his Klingon not instincts, you know, are the coming the conversation
3: in. Conversation at every table in this room. <laughs> uh, as I promised, here are your assignments. I'm sure they'll be painless. Please try and complete them by tomorrow. Tomorrow?
0: No problem, Professor.
3: Uh, You're all very calm.
0: Is there some reason we shouldn't be?
3: History always records where people were, what they were doing, when important events took place. But it rarely remembers their activities, say, a week before, or a day, or even an hour. Are you suggesting that an important event is imminent? I didn't say that now, did I, please? uh, Just go on doing what you're doing and pretend I'm not here.
0: Why is there no record of other future historians traveling back to witness important events?
3: We're obviously very careful. As a matter of fact, a colleague and I recently paid a call on a 22nd century vessel.
7: They hadn't perfected quarantine fields. You probably saw some surgical masks and gloves.
3: Isn't it fascinating how everyone has different interests when it comes to history, different perspectives on progress? Would you mind telling me what that
4: is? He's got a little no, ring
3: Checking the time, no problem.
4: that uh, he opens up. It kinda like some kind of looks like something important of supposed to be happening here. A little... No, no, uh, it's
3: nothing, it's nothing.
4: almost looks like a little uh, sensor what about you, Commander?
0: tricorder thing. What do thing. you
3: see as the most important example of progress in the last 200 years?
0: I suppose the warp coil... Before there was warp drive, humans were confined to a single sector of the galaxy.
3: Spoken like the consummate explorer.
1: What is going on? Are you expecting someone? Phasers. Beg your pardon? There were no phasers in the 22nd century. Uh, you see, Doctor?
3: Our Klingon friend is a perfect example of what I was trying to tell you. He views history through the eyes of a hunter, a warrior. His passion lies in the perfection <laughs> of the tools of violence. How delightfully primitive.
4: Yeah, so um, as soon as we input he's kind of getting deep under deep their deep, skins the a little bit as it goes on ahead. here in this episode. What
5: have you
8: learned about the tectonic stability around the drilling sites? Couldn't be better. Our scans were all clear, and Mosley says there hasn't been so much as a quiver down there in well over a century.
3: Uh Aha! Just the two I'm looking for. Uh, Brought
8: you the forms I need you to complete. Shouldn't take anything more than a couple hours. Kinda busy here, Professor. Tomorrow would probably be better. Data, we've got about 23,000 thermal simulations. You think you could check them over for anomalies? Certainly. Is uh, is that as fast as he can go? Not fast enough for you, Professor?
3: there's pretty little known about Data's efficiency. Almost nothing about its part in this mission. It's a topic of great conjecture. Mm -hmm.
6: 209 anomalies, all within acceptable parameters.
8: Thanks, Data. You're here to witness this mission. That's it, isn't it? It'll be best if you just thought of me as a
3: fly on the wall. And yeah, what about your business? I will have your answered questions as soon
6: as possible, Professor.
3: Data at Penthera Four. <laughs> if you'll excuse me. Um, your prosthesis, what do what you call it again? A visor. Visor, right, a visor. You know, I have a picture you wearing that in my office. How do you like it? It allows me to see. I like it just fine. You know, Homer was blind, Milton Bach. Dominé. Wonder. A fly on the wall, huh?
8: Fly on the wall? The computer has configured the drilling patterns and specified depths. <laughs> Captain, we've got everything we need. I'm ready to transport down to the surface. As you can see, he's. He, Dr.
2: For
4: a guy from luck, the future, he seems to be asking a lot of questions more than you might think. He's also picking up little objects as it goes through this episode like he just slipped a uh,
3: Who said these moments were any less exciting when you know the outcome
4: hmm? into his uh he's wearing this sort of like you know overcoatish no kind of that, professor long uh, robe looking thing and so he just grabbed it and Any you can see there he just messed up with data about things The enterprise things will monitor the knows.
8: CO2 concentrations at six different altitudes. If all goes well it shouldn't take more than 20 boresites. Let's hope all goes well. The Forger Commander Riker, how are you doing?
0: We've gotten word for the monitoring stations. They're all online. We're ready when you are,
8: Jordy. That's excellent. All we need now is an open channel to data.
1: Open a channel, Mr. Worf, and prepare to fire at target one. Computer has locked in, in phaser depth calculations. Mr. Data? Ready, sir. Fire.
4: So the Enterprise is firing on the planet to release the CO2 to, you know, again keep keep the heat in. Target
6: one is st- emitting two thousand cubic meters per second. Target two, one thousand six hundred.
8: Surface wind patterns over the target are stable. You picking up anything at altitude? Data
6: CO2 concentrations remain unchanged at upper elevations.
1: This much? Target 14 complete, sir.
4: So Rasmussen just pops up on the bridge, sits in Riker's chair. Dana. What have you got? <laughs> and uh, no change, he doesn't look too happy with it, but...
0: How are the surface winds, Jordy? Holding
1: steady, sir. The computer has stopped drilling. It should be getting something now, Dana. Elevated CO2
6: levels at 20 kilometers, sir.
8: Now you're talking. We've got some new temperatures coming in. All thermal monitoring stations are reporting no further temperature drops. Correction, Doctor. Two equatorial stations are reporting slight increases. Thank you. Thank you all. You've given us what we need. Time.
2: We're Glad to be of help, Doctor. The Enterprise will remain in orbit and continue to monitor your progress. Picard out.
3: You've given us what we need.
2: Ensign, return to synchronous orbit.
3: Aye, sir. Very clever, Picard. Well done. We always knew how you did it, but to experience the moment, to witness the nuances, it's, uh, Indescribable.
4: Yeah, I don't think Picard's starting to like this guy very much. You know, he's got, like, uh, you know...
7: He's after more than a history. He lesson. doesn't like, like being it watched pass. over, what is it? What are you, getting you know, from?
4: so it's going know. a little, it's starting to wear thin like with all of them.
7: It's
1: confuse us,
7: misdirect us somehow. There you are.
3: Well, that certainly was exciting, wasn't it?
7: Professor, is everything all right? Are you well?
3: Yes, couldn't be better. Thank you. Um, I just thought we might chat about your questionnaire. Buck up, crewman. You're a credit to that uniform. I've got some things to take care of. Uh, no, please, counselor. I very much appreciate your remaining.
4: Dr, Dr. Crusher is working you know on a guy here. My sixth
3: question. You spoke of a neural stimulator. Uh, may I see one? I don't see why not. Give me a minute. You don't like me very much, do you?
7: I don't dislike you, professor.
3: Keep your eyes wide, soldier. You'll be telling your grandchildren how you were there at Panthera Four. But you don't trust me. You should, you know. Should I? Picard's empath won't trust you. That's what they all said.
7: Picard's empath.
3: We're not that unlike you and I. You possess a sense that is foreign to the others. My knowledge of the future is similar. You know, some of my best friends are empaths. They trust me. Why should you care whether I trust you or not? We're birds of a feather. We're colleagues. (laughs) we a lot from each other. You're right. I don't trust you. I knew you'd say that. I'm sure you did.
7: (laughs) Well, I'm glad to see you two are finally getting along. I really have to be going.
4: Yeah, Troy's instincts are pretty, pretty, uh, where they should be, pretty spot on.
7: Why don't you try a light scan? I'd be interested to see what his micro-levels are. So, what else can I show you?
3: You're a very curious woman. Hmm? Uh, no, no, I I don't mean curious like that. I mean, you're curious about things, about light levels, about... Future.
7: Well, curiosity is why all of us are out here, isn't it?
3: I understand, but um, you're different. You're more vibrant. You're more, um... more vibrant. That's <laughs> nice.
4: I like that. Is he hitting on you Dr. Crusher here? What is back, he doing? I meet
3: very interesting people, men and women, but um, I've never met anyone who gave me thoughts about not going home. <sighs>
4: Oh, I guess he is.
7: <laughs> You're not supposed to be influencing the past.
4: Oh, yeah, that, that little thing. Yeah.
7: And I am beginning to feel just a little bit influenced. Anyway, I could be your great-great-great-great-grandmother.
4: Yeah. So now he's, uh, you know, he's picking up again more objects from what around here. What kind of area. questions
0: do he have for you, number one? All he wanted to know about was previous starships. What I thought was innovative about the last Enterprise, the one before that. He said he wanted to see if we had a grasp of the fundamentals. His questions to
1: me primarily focused on Dr. Sung's... Captain, I'm detecting a massive earthquake on the surface. Two Uh-oh. earthquakes. Location.
6: Both epicenters are beneath the two southernmost drill sites, Captain. Is the forge still down there?
0: Yes, sir. Find him. We've also got some volcanic activity, pretty severe. Magnify.
4: Yeah, so they've kind of, uh, kind of got a Lord little problem lab. here on the Mostly planet. and I are on our way back to his
8: lab. Are you alright? We're okay, but those were pretty big, sir. If this was Earth, I'd say around an 8 or an eight five on the Richter scale. Starting to see some volcanic plumes, Captain.
1: Two more
6: eruptions. It is likely we overestimated the geologic stability around the CO2 pockets, Captain.
8: We're in the lab, sir.
6: On screen. We're fairly well quake-proof down here, Picard. It's the volcanic dust I'm worried about.
4: Yeah. So. What about the dust? It's gonna block more light out. The
8: ash the volcanoes are throwing into the atmosphere is gonna compound the existing problem. In a matter of days, there'll be no sunlight getting through these clouds. No amount of CO2 will help us then.
0: Captain, take a look at this.
4: So it's, you know, trying to fix the problem. They look like they've exasperated it, made it a little worse.
0: These are the coordinates of the eruptions. And these are the coordinates of the phaser drilling sites.
2: The mantle is collapsing where the pressure was
0: released.
8: Captain, Dr. Mosey and I have a couple of ideas, but it's going to take some time to sort them out.
2: Sort them out, Jody.
8: Hi, sir.
4: Yeah, so it looks like their phaser blast basically caused the issue here. We came here to help these people.
2: And look what we've done.
4: Yeah, some kind of good effects in this so that you can see the planets kind of you know, pulsing in the background in orbit. You know, from them, and uh, it's it's amazing how how much it, you know. Even though in the day this was amazing special effects and things, and and now it's God's it's good. It's that? not terrible or anything. Music
1: any. professor,
6: music, yes sir. Mozart's Jupiter Symphony in C major, Bach's Brandenburg Concerto number three, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony second movement, molto vivace, and La Donna E from Verdi's Rigoletto. You think you could thin it out a bit? Computer, eliminate program one. Computer, eliminate program two. Computer, eliminate program three.
3: Computer, half volume. How did. how the hell can you listen to four pieces of music at the same time?
6: Actually, I'm capable of distinguishing over 150 simultaneous compositions.
4: <laughs> but in order
6: to analyze the aesthetics, I try to keep it to 10 or less. Only four today? I am assisting Commander LaForge with a very complex calculation. It demands a great deal of my concentration.
3: Hmm. Well, I uh, came to thank you for answering my questions, though I probably should have asked you to limit yourself to 50,000 words. You did ask me to be thorough. I realize it's hard to believe, Data, but very few records of Dr. Soon's work survived to the 26th century, so it would be invaluable to myself and other historians if you could provide us with some schematics.
6: Certainly, as soon as my work here is completed.
3: As long as it's before 0900 tomorrow, that's when I'll be uh, heading back.
1: Bridge to Commander Data. Yes, Worf. Commander LaForge is hailing you from the surface, sir.
6: Patch him through, please.
1: Have you rerun the phase reversal figures data?
6: There were no errors, Geordie. The variance must be no more than .06 terawatts.
8: Well, I don't see any other choice. We'll continue to run the numbers down here, but I doubt we'll come up with anything different. Better inform the captain of the good news and the bad news.
4: Now Rasmussen now- just sort of... uh lifted a tricorder from Data's table uh, and, and slipped it into his uh, Good coat.
6: The motion of the dust has created a great deal of electrostatic energy in the upper atmosphere. With a modified phaser blast, we can create a shock front that would encircle the planet and ionize the particles. That would be like striking a spark in a gas-filled room. With one exception, sir. The particles would be converted into a high-energy plasma, which our shields could absorb and then redirect harmlessly into space turn the enterprise into a lightning rod precisely sir and the bad news if our phaser discharge is off by oh sorry 0. about that something just slipped
4: fell in, on my, cause my desk a cascading here cascading
6: exothermal inversion meaning we would completely burn off the planet's atmosphere
4: yeah that probably be a bad thing yeah we don't want to do that that's uh that's a bad thing
2: captain's log supplemental while Dr. Mosley takes LaForge's plan to the leaders of the colony, I find myself weighing the potential consequences of a more philosophical issue.
4: Come. This episode gets referenced in a few other times, too, in other Star Trek episodes, also in a, in a novel called Inferno, you know I've asked you here. Um, well, and yeah, a few yeah, other times throughout Trek history.
2: I'm faced with a dilemma. There is a planet beneath us which is slowly turning to ice. And unless we do something about it, I'm told that in a matter of weeks, thousands, maybe tens of thousands will die. This
4: is a good scene, I think, if I remember right, with Rasmussen and Picard. Would.
2: It would be quite a shame. So, uh, what's your dilemma? Commander LaForge has a possible solution. The margins of error are extremely critical. But if successful, there'll be no more threat. And if it's not successful? Every living thing on the planet will perish.
4: Oh, yeah, that's... that's uh,
3: nothing and thousands will die to something and millions could die. That's a tough choice. Not if you were to help me. (laughs) You're not suggesting I tell you the outcome of your efforts.
2: Oh, no. I'm not. Everything that Starfleet stands for, everything that I have ever believed in, tells me I cannot ask you that. But at the same time, There are 20 million lives down there. And you know what happened to them, what will happen to them.
3: So it seems you have another dilemma, one that questions your convictions.
2: Well, I've never been afraid of reevaluating my convictions, Professor, and now, well, I have 20 million reasons to do so.
3: And why did you ask to see me?
2: Because your presence gives me a potential access to a kind of information that I've never had available to me before. And if I am to re-examine my beliefs, then I must take advantage of every possible asset. It would have been irresponsible of me not to ask you here.
3: However you come to terms with your beliefs, Captain, I must tell you I'm quite comfortable with mine. How can you
2: be? How can you be comfortable watching people die? Um,
3: let me put it to you this way. If I were to tell you that none of those people died, you'd easily conclude that you tried your solution and it succeeded, so you'd confidently try again. No harm in that. But what if I were to tell you they all died? What then? Obviously, you'd decide not to make the same mistake twice. Now, what if one of those people grew grew up... Yes, Professor? I know.
2: What if one of those lives I saved down there is a child... ...who grows up to be the next Adolf Hitler? Or can't say. Every first-year philosophy student has been asked that question... ...since the earliest wormholes were discovered. But this is not a class in temporal logic. It's not theoretical. It's not
3: hypothetical. It's real. Surely you see that. I see it all too well.
4: The line must be drawn here. Yes.
3: But if I were to influence you, (laughs) everything in this sector, in this quadrant of the galaxy could change. History, my history, would unfold in a way other than it already has. Now, what possible incentive could anyone offer me to allow that to happen?
2: I have two choices. Either way, one version of history or another will wend its way forward.
4: See, if you would yes, think you about it, the, the guy now, would come is to back
2: which is to
4: see something what do tragic happen.
2: Today, That's what I'd guess. One but... way millions of lives could be saved. Now, not that incentive enough? Everyone
3: dies, Captain. It's just a question of when. All of those people down there died years before I was born. All of you up here as well. So you see, I... Can't get quite as worked up as you over the fate of some colonists who for me have been dead a very very long time
2: of course you know of the prime directive which tells us that we have no right to interfere in the natural evolution of alien worlds now i have sworn to uphold it but nevertheless i have disregarded that directive On more than one occasion
4: yes of course. Because I thought it That's was good. the
2: right thing to do!
4: Captains do, yes.
2: Now, if Especially you are Captain's holding name Kirk to some <laughs> temporal equivalent of that directive, then isn't it possible that you have an occasion here to make an exception to... to help me to choose,
3: because it's the right thing to do. we Are just talking about a choice? It sounds to me like you're trying to manipulate the future. every choice we make allows us to
2: manipulate the future yes do i um do i invite adrienne or suzanne to the spring dance do i take my holiday on corsica or Rysa? a person's life their future hinges on each of a thousand choices living is making choices now you ask me to believe that if i make a choice other than the one that appears in your history books then your past will be irrevocably altered well You know, Professor, perhaps I don't give a damn about your past because your past is my future, and as far as I'm concerned, it hasn't been written yet.
0: Captain, the electrostatic conditions are about as good as they're going to get.
4: Yeah, I like this, uh, this you know, confrontation between the two of them is is pretty important and and good.
3: Captain.
0: How long will it take to program the phases, number one? We've just got to tie into Geordi's atmospheric sensors.
3: So, you've made your choice after all. And without my help. Oh, on the contrary, Professor.
0: You were quite helpful.
2: How's that? By refusing to help me, you left me with the same choice I had to begin with. To try or not to try. To take a risk or to play it safe. And your arguments have reminded me how precious the right to choose is. Because I've never been one to play it safe. I choose to try, Mister Data. Program the firing sequence.
6: Hi, sir.
4: There you go. That's what you do. And again, it's probably uh, Captain Log started you know, four, four five three five anyway. one five. What he would have done anyway? He's one not going to let people possibly Dr. die. Doctor has met with the colony with
1: a chance All to save agree they are willing to take the risk. Warp power has been rerouted from the main deflector dish, Commander.
8: Keep those phasers on active surge control, Warp. We're only gonna get one shot at this.
1: Nope. This is it. You have the
0: sequence locked in, Dave?
6: Yes, sir. After an 8.3-second burst from the dish, we will discharge all EPS taps through the phasers. It's time for you to return to the ship, Mr. LaForge. Mr. O'Brien, stand by to transport.
8: Excuse me, Captain, but I can be of a lot more help down here. We're gonna have to compensate the density variations right up to the last second.
6: Dr. Mosley's computers can accomplish the same task, sir, but I believe Geordie would be better able to anticipate unexpected variances. Mr. Forge, you know
2: better than anyone that there's no guarantee that this will work. And if it fails...
8: There's no guarantee it's going to fail, Captain. I'd like your permission to remain here on the surface.
2: Permission granted.
3: Let remain below. Good luck, Commander.
8: Thank you, Captain.
6: The deflector dish has been reconfigured, sir. Proceed, Mr. Data.
4: Yeah, that's, you know, Stand by for wouldn't auto just abandon and leave them. That makes Activating sense.
6: Activating deflector beam.
4: So now the deflector's charging and firing. EPS
1: taps online. Phasers firing.
4: The planet's basically turned sort of glows orange, and now it seems to be going away blasting outward towards the Enterprise.
6: Activating shield inverters. Now.
4: Has yeah, a pretty cool a bit of effect work here, and now the Enterprise is sort of blasting that energy out into space. Mr. and you can see during this whole process where is looks really, really panicked.
8: Forge here, still breathing, Captain. We've got particular
6: levels right where they're supposed
4: to be. There's one little hitch there. And
6: the sun is shining. If, if is he it Captain?
4: would have Don't messed you, up badly, Rasmussen now. shouldn't have looked nervous, the you know. He shouldn't have ready, looked commander. all panicky because he n- we'll supposedly knows what's happened, right? Or does he?
2: But the best advice will be to let them cool down on their own. Getting in the habit of thanking you, Picard.
3: Well, I'd love to see more, but it's nearly time for me to go. I am tickled pink to have had the opportunity of witnessing this, Picard. And you did it all without any help. Well, let's run. Got some packing to do. You know you're tolerant person, Commander?
4: Riker and Picard kind of have a look here, and then Picard uh, he kind of nods over to Worf, so they know something is well, up. Well, would you
3: look at this? Who would have expected a teary farewell? i afraid we're going to have to take a look inside your vessel. Curious till the end, eh, Captain? <laughs> you can't be serious, Picard. We've been through this more than once. A number once. of objects have been
2: discovered missing in the last two days, and if they're in your possession, then we would like them returned.
3: I'm not here in search of relics. <laughs> I'm sure they'll turn up.
1: And Warp basically gets the vessel, in his way. <laughs> I will. With explosives, if necessary.
3: I doubt you have the means. If we don't
0: get in that thing, I guarantee you don't either.
3: <sighs> Considering the sensitive nature of my equipment, I think you'll understand if I request that only Mr. Data be allowed to see it. Why, Data?
2: Because if I order Mr. Data never to divulge what he sees in there, he won't. With the exception of anything that might belong to us. Understood, sir.
4: Of course, you could always order him to, that you've changed your mind to tell him. you Back know, To tell him. So, that's kind of a... Doesn't really work, you know, in a way. So Rasmussen just kind of uses his palm print up on the on the ship and then it opens the back door up. Kind of a force field effect.
6: I do not believe any of these items belong to you, professor.
3: Nor does this. This phaser is set at the highest stun setting. If I'm correct, that is sufficient to immobilize even you. Why have you stolen these objects? To put in a museum? Oh, far too valuable for that. You see, in the century I come from, they haven't even been invented yet. But this vessel, and the temporal distortion that coincided with your arrival. Oh, this is a time pod, and it is from the 26th century. At least, that's what the poor fellow said. You see, he decided to travel back to the 22nd century. That's my time, and he had the misfortune of meeting me. His clothes fit quite well, don't you think? Took me weeks to figure out how to work this thing. (laughs) Then you are not an historian. Mm, More of an inventor. Up till a few weeks ago, a dismally unsuccessful one. What are your intentions, Professor? Well, thanks to your captain, it seems my intentions have changed slightly. I was quite content with the notion of returning with these trinkets. I'd invent about one a year. But now, look what fortune has graced me with. You will take a little longer to figure out than a tricorder, but it should be well worth the effort. If the auto timer is programmed the way I think it is, in about two minutes, we should be on our way back to a place called
8: New Jersey.
3: <laughs> I'm afraid New will be awake for the ride.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the phaser is not working.
6: I assume your handprint will open this door, whether you are conscious or not.
3: That weapon was working yesterday. You were right to suspect him, sir. But he is
6: not from the future, he is from the past.
2: Aha, uh-huh. yes. You're trying to make my history unfold in a way other than it already has,
3: eh, Professor? <laughs> this was all a misunderstanding, Picard. Just let me back in there. We'll forget the whole thing.
2: Now, what
6: possible incentive could anyone offer me to allow that? I believe you will find all of the missing items in the vessel, sir.
3: Doctor. Very nice performance. Not all of it. Some of it was real. (laughs) Captain. He claims to be a
6: 22nd century inventor, Captain. Pity you weren't a bit more
2: inventive. Fewer things had disappeared. We might never have suspected you. As it was, the only stumbling block was your ship. Our sensors couldn't penetrate it. But once the door was opened, the computer was able to detect and deactivate everything you'd stolen, including this.
3: <laughs> I'd love to hear more, Picard, but I,
0: I really must get back in that pod. Take him to a detention cell, Mr. Worf, and notify Starfleet that we will be dropping him off at
3: Starbase 214. Aye, sir. You can't do this. I've gotta get back, I don't belong here.
2: that there are more than a few legitimate historians at Starfleet who will be quite eager to meet a human from your era.
4: So he's trapped. The time pod just sort of disappeared. Welcome to the 24th century. Yeah, he doesn't look, uh, Rasmussen, not too happy about the situation. And uh, he looks... I don't know it'd be kind of cool actually you know once he gets over it maybe if they ever let him out of prison or whatever but uh to be you know 200 years in the future so anyway that's the episode really pretty straightforward except for the little twist at the end that he's this time traveler actually from the past and not from the future the that's i thought that was a pretty neat thing and i don't remember when i first saw this if that occurred to me or not i knew i suspected him that he didn't really wasn't really what he appeared to be and they kind of, the you know, the Enterprise crew suspects him too, especially Troy of course and a few others Worf and, you know, Worf always suspects people, but uh, anyway, Matt Fur, I can't say his last name, Furr, Fur. you know, uh, he is, uh, he was great in the episode, I thought he did a really gr- good job and Robin Williams, if he had been uh, doing it, uh, probably would have been just as good. I think he might have been a little bit more goofy. Uh, I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. You never know. It's like um, when things change like that, or when they pick someone else. Uh, it's you never know what it would have been like with a different actor in the, in the role. But uh, a pretty again straightforward episode, uh, and uh, I enjoy it. It's it's not uh, too heavy or anything like that. And there was. During season five, you know, around this time when this episode came out, there were f- several other episodes that were, were pretty serious, pretty heavy. So this was kind of a little bit of a more lighthearted one a bit uh, and and fun for them to do instead of just, uh, you know, like, the, like I said, some of the other ones they had been doing during that season. Uh, and it gave them a little bit of a, a break from that. And uh, except for some mentions in some other episodes, it just uh, it had... Um, not a lot of impact and a lot of other things and never really run into uh that i remember you know rasmussen never really shows up again or anything like that uh so uh anyway uh just uh had fun watching it with you guys and commenting on it and i hope you enjoyed that too i'm going to take uh i think uh, just a brief break i'll come back to a collectible review and i've also got some uh uh, well, actually, during this break, we'll play it now. I, I've got some comments from Rick Moyer to play for this episode and a little bit of music for you as well. So I'll play that during my break, and then I will come back and do a quick collectible review and, and finish up the podcast.
5: Oh, yeah. Hi, everybody. It's Rick Moyer, Moyer 777, from the forums, the in Sci-Fi Forums. Rico, I love this episode of Next Generation, A Matter of Time, for many, many reasons. I've watched it over and over and over again, probably so much so that my wife is sick of watching it. I liked a lot of things about it. Number one, I always like shows on Star Trek that deal with time travel. This was no exception. And it was so cool to have the guy that played the Pink Panther and several other characters that we like. We see him in Eureka and... Uh, several other shows he's just an awesome actor and he played the professor which was just so cool the first time i watched it i did not suspect him really i loved how he flirted with the doctor i thought that was hilarious but i have to admit i was a little bit flabbergasted that's a word isn't it that that picard would let him go ahead and ask all these questions and trust him so readily I thought that was kind of uncharacteristic of Picard. And the rest of the crew, they were kind of... I think the Doctor was the only one that kind of had her suspicions. Everybody else just kind of handed things over to him, which I thought was really weird. Loved the ending part when he panics, when they open up the ship and uh, you know he thinks he's going to take data back with him and everything, but no, 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 no. He's in for a surprise. The Enterprise computer disables his phaser. Now, that's another thing that I thought was interesting. Do we ever see that happen in any other episode? Maybe a couple. But if that's the case, there should have been a lot less phasers firing going on on the ship, don't you think? Anyway. Nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. I just love this episode. It's a great one. It's a classic TNG episode and very worth your time. And thank you for reviewing it. I give it... Five stars out of five stars. That's how much I like it. Now, before I go, I wanted to leave you with a little sample of what's coming up. I've been working on some parodies. And coming up in the next few weeks, you're going to get a brand new song. The most current song I've ever done as far as a parody is concerned. And it all has to do with that green-blooded Vulcan, everybody. It's right. It's time to get down with Spock himself. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Party Spock is on the ship tonight. Everybody have a logical time. And he going to make you use your mind. Everybody have a logical time. Party Spock is on the ship tonight. Everybody have a logical time will make you use your mind We just want to see Quote stats. So you're in for it, aren't you? You're gonna like that when it gets all done. I hope you enjoy it. All right everybody thanks uh, for listening and uh, Rico, I just love Trex and Sci-fi. You do such an awesome job with the show and it's just it's just so rocking. So uh, until next week. have a good one everybody.
4: Oh, Rick, you always come up with some good stuff to do for us. Oh, and this is uh, no exception to that. I, I love the bit of uh, a Spock uh, song that you got going for us there. It's uh, pretty cool sounding. And thanks for your comments about the, uh, this episode, A Matter of Time. Yeah, I agree, and I kind of mentioned that, I think, during the, the commentary when I was doing it, of how they, they seem to be fairly accepting of it and you know what I, it's been a while since I've seen this episode I haven't watched it as much as it sounds like you have but I I had thought that I, I remembered something weird about this episode and I guess it isn't true I thought he had some device or some ability to sort of influence the uh, the minds of the crew a little bit to get them to kind of go along with him a bit for some reason and I, I, I'm probably overlaying that with some other episode and some other character that they ran into but I thought he had some kind of especially when he had that confrontation with Troy, and I thought he had some kind of empathic or telepathic ability or something that allowed and explained, yeah, why Picard just kind of rolled over and, and let him rub his belly and, and answer all the questions. And there, they just, it, it was a little too easy, I think, and I think there should be, should have been a little bit more suspicion, a little more conflict there, and whether it ended up being like he would have a reason that they were going along with him or or something but yeah i think i think that was a little bit of a weakness in the episode but still again a f- like as you said a fun episode and, and matt for is uh, awesome in it and how many times have i said for our frower f-r-e-w-e-r yeah uh, anyways uh... he is a good uh, good guy good actor a lot of fun and and really fun in this episode okay let me do the quick uh... collectible review that i have for you I, uh, I of course like comic books a lot and have quite a few little uh, toys and statues related to that. And uh, there's a line of uh, little uh, they're called statues, but they're really made out of basically out of plastic and painted. So I, I think that still qualifies as a statue because these are about mm, seven, eight inches tall and, and this is uh, the DC uh, DC Universe or DC direct, I think makes these. And the one that I got just recently is of Batgirl. And uh, this is uh, what's called a Bushoujo, bushoujo uh, line of, of statues. Basically, they've taken some of the characters from comics and given them kind of an Asian look to a degree. The face is a little Asian style. Not, not exactly, I, I should say, they have the, you know, larger eyes and, and, and certain facial features. Like certain video games have, like certain comics and anime has... And then they, uh, they, she's uh, basically she's standing on this little gargoyle with one foot on the top of the gargoyle. There have been two versions of this that have come out, this little statue. One, she's sort of in this uh, deep, dark purple outfit, the, the kind of classic Batgirl look that, uh, you know, from the TV show to a degree, it looks kind of like that costume. And then they took and did a, uh, a special version of it, same uh, statue itself, same style, same pose, same everything, but just a repaint, basically, of it. And this one, she's in black. She's in a black outfit, and... Uh, posing with her red hair kind of flowing out the back. And I don't know, I think it's a very, very cool little statue. I like the styling of it, and the paint app is really good. And also, it's not a real expensive piece. You know, I buy some more you know expensive pieces occasionally, but this thing is, I actually got it off of eBay. Uh, there's a company called Toynk, T-O-Y-N-K. They have a website, and you can buy things directly off, I think it's toynk.com, and I've done that in the past. I bought a couple things off them. But they have a pretty good selection, pretty good prices usually. And the other plus and bonus with this when I bought it off eBay was the uh, there was no shipping, no extra shipping charges. So I got a pretty good deal on it. I think it was about $46, I think, uh, including everything shipping, and they have a good reputation and good uh, amount of feedback and comments on eBay. I don't buy a, a huge amount of things off eBay, but if I can find a good deal on something I'm looking for better than directly online. Uh, then I'll buy it there. There were a couple other places. I was almost going to buy it off Entertainment Earth, but I think the last time I looked, they were out of stock on it. And I think it was a little bit more expensive there, too, maybe an extra $10. But uh, it's cool if you're a comic book uh, fan and and you want some uh, cool kind of pretty cute and sexy little uh statues for around your office or home if your wife or girlfriend will allow it (laughs) you just need to have a man cave a, a rico cave like i have and then like lynn came down here yesterday to talk to me about something and uh she says you got a lot of stuff down here you know occasionally she just sort of realizes it again i don't know what happens but she forgets occasionally and uh I said, yeah, I kind of do, I guess. So, uh, But it's on a little shelf over here right now. I did actually take it out of the box, yes. Because uh, to me, I don't leave things like statues or little mini busts or whatever very much in the packaging. To me, those are things to be, have them out, displayed on a shelf or in a cabinet. Uh, the only thing I used to leave, and I haven't bought that many in a very long time, are little action figures in um, the packaging. Because usually you can see the figure very well. The packaging doesn't uh allow you to not you know you can see it pretty well and I don't really need a little three inch figure to play with. I've taken some out of the packages of course but those are the kind of things I tended to leave in package. I've left some models and other things occasionally uh or or you know different plastic ships that I've collected from Trek and other things. But I don't leave a huge amount in packaging. The other thing that I do occasionally, kind of like Arnie does over on Star Wars Action News, I, I do this once in a while, is I would buy one to uh, keep in a package and buy one to open. I've done that with some of the more recent uh, Art Asylum uh, and Diamond Select uh, Trek props, like the phasers, the communicators, the tricorders that they've been putting out that are really nice and, and nicely done that aren't too expensive. I bought a few extras of those and kept them in packages and then opened uh, some of them too. So... Uh, so anyway, that uh, wraps up today's show. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Like I said, a pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty classic, uh, treks and sci-fi show for you this week. I want to give you uh, an update on the uh, podcast schedule. What's coming up in the next few weeks? I just kind of updated it actually on the site yesterday. Over and if you haven't been to treksinsci-fi.com in a while, check it out. I, I've updated the main site and also join the forums. Uh, we'd love to have you. But what's coming up on the show next week? You're gonna have a guest host, Mark or M5. I think this is gonna be his first guest appearance and hopefully not his last because I, I, I've listened to a little bit of his show. He just got it to me actually yesterday, already for next week. So I, I and he he does a, a really cool job on this a classic uh, movie from Disney, the black hole. Uh, and, uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to the rest of it. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. So that's next week's podcast on the April 29th on the 6th of May, I'm going to cover the Voyager episode hunters. I think that's around middle uh, of the run, maybe season four or five. Uh, it involves Tuvok and seven of nine being captured. And, uh, if that jogs your memory about that episode and then on the 13th of, of, um, May, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to do a Skype chat, and we will most likely record that the day before. I typically like to do that. It gives me a chance to, to tweak it and edit things if I need to. So look for an announcement on the site and in the news section on the main site and also on the forum soon of the exact time. But it'll probably be about midday Eastern time is what I usually try to do, maybe 1, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That usually means... You know, maybe nine, ten in the morning for the West Coast people, and for those in the U.K. and places over there, it usually means sometime around 6, 7 o'clock at night. So, hope we'll have a lot of people to talk about the summer movies, including the Avengers, on that episode. And then on the 20th of May, uh, that one's to be determined. That'll be a guest host spot. Got a couple of possibilities maybe for that, but there'll be a guest spot there and on the 27th of May I'm going to do a podcast. It'll be audio maybe video and it's going to cover the Motor City Comic Con that I usually go to every May which will occur actually the weekend before that uh, which is good that I'll have a guest host for that weekend. So that I'm going to do on the, that'll be I think over Memorial Day over the U.S. Memorial Day weekend. So that's what's upcoming on Trex and Sci-Fi. Hey everyone, thanks so much for downloading the show every week and listening. Throw up a review on iTunes if you feel like sending in a donation via Patreon. PayPal, those are always very appreciated links to all of that and more over at TreksInSciFi.com. so take care everyone have a great week I will uh, talk to you in about two weeks and you will see or listen to Mark next week with the black hole commentary and review of that cool movie from Disney so uh, take care everyone bye bye
1: you've been listening to Trex in Sci-Fi with Rico Dosti and other special guests we would love to hear from you. Write to us today at TrekSF at gmail.com. That's TrekSF at gmail.com. Space, the final frontier.
2: These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise, Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new seek out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where no one
1: has gone before. Visit the website today at www.treksinsci-fi.com. Trex in Sci-Fi is a Rico Dosti production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Treks in Sci-Fi.